Welcome to this guy's sick. A little solo from me, having a go on myself today. Uh, not Pornhub searches of solo, obviously. I mean, you might find me on there. I wouldn't recommend it. It's all feet stuff. So, unless you're into that. And if you are, have a look. Today, we have a lovely little topic to talk about. Something I'm so excited for. I mean, last night, I was laying in bed and I was watching this uh, Final Fantasy event, 25th anniversary of Final Fantasy VII, and I was blown away how brilliant it was. I didn't cry myself to sleep or anything like that. I was just, this is the, the level of quality on display was mind-blowing, right? Absolutely mind-blowing. You've got Tetsuya Nomura, we've got Najima, we've got Kitase, we've got Toriyama. I mean, what brilliant minds there. Toriyama, he made Final Fantasy XIII. Everyone loves that. That's such a fucking gem of a game, Final Fantasy XIII. A brilliant, splendid game, devoid of convoluted bullshit, well-thought-out-and-drafted storyline, well-loved, well-fashioned and likeable characters. We then have Tetsuya Nomura, who is the brainchild behind the Kingdom Hearts franchise, and who doesn't love Kingdom Hearts? As a piece of art, there is nothing wrong with Kingdom Hearts. It's simple and clean. The story is easy to follow. The characters are lovable. The gameplay's brilliant. The style is excellent. What are you talking about? It's Kingdom Hearts. I mean, no wonder he's the head of Creative Business Unit 1 of Square Enix. And then we got Katase. He has got loads of notable titles under his belt. What can go wrong? I'll tell you what went wrong. Fucking everything. These egotistical, useless sacks of shit have fucked it up again. And this is this is me. I'm not holding back. I can't be bothered. I was going to be a bit more delicate and try and explain myself. But actually, fuck it. And fuck them. And fuck everything they've done with Final Fantasy VII. These useless fucking morons. They couldn't hold up Sakaguchi's fucking jockstrap if he handed it to them. Then they're, fuck me. I mean, they couldn't, they, they'd probably sit there sniffing it, hoping they can get high off the fucking fumes of his nutsack. These people are useless. Here's the deal. Final Fantasy VII, the original Final Fantasy VII, was Sakaguchi's work. I don't care who other cunts worked on it, giving cloud baggy trousers, fucking Tetsuya Nomura. Oh, I designed these characters. Brilliant. You're a great designer, mate. Keep at it. Keep designing. You're not a fucking storyteller, though, are you? You have not made one game worth giving a flying fuck about because you're useless as a storyteller. You're a designer. Design characters. Put some more belts on a character and give them spiky air and be fucking done with you, you useless cunt. Absolute useless fucking sack of shit he is. Kitase, he was getting told what to do in all them games by Sakaguchi. By a guy who can actually fucking direct a game and write a game and work a game out. Their fingerprints aren't on Final Fantasy VII. Sakaguchi's fingerprints are on seven. Sakaguchi's fingerprints are on nine. He was the mastermind behind Final Fantasy. When Square Enix developed Final Fantasy in the first place, they took a chance on Sakaguchi who wanted to make an RPG. He wanted to make his own Dragon Quest. He saw what Enix were doing with Dragon Quest and he went, I want to be able to do that. Why can't I do that? And the company were basically going bust and they went, well, this could be our final game. Hence, Final Fantasy is a name. And he smashed it out of the ballpark and he's done so ever since. Since he left the company, they've gone downhill. No one can deny the level of quality slipped when he left. You had Final Fantasy XII, great game. Pinello, Vaughn, could do without them in it. Remove them and it'd be an even better game. Outside of that, 
we've had nothing but bullshit, okay? Now, I'm putting 14 in its own bubble, and we're going to get to 14 and why I'm putting it in its own bubble. But 13, Toriyama, who I've previously mentioned, was almost a fucking franchise killer in the West. An awful fucking game. 15. Awful. Awful fucking game. And people go, oh, I like 15. Look, we have become so used to mediocrity over the fucking last 10, 15, 20 years where we lord up stuff that doesn't deserve it. Marvel movies have changed the landscape of what we think a fucking film is. We think a film needs to be a big, bright, colourful spectacle without much substance behind it. It's a constant conveyor belt of content. We have had our minds numbed by bollocks and bullshit and the parallels are there because you can see it with Square Enix. You can see who they really are, what they are as a company and that rebel spirit that Sakaguchi had is long gone from most of the fucking people that work there bar the near team and bar the Final Fantasy fourteen team. And the Disney comparison as they are partners of Disney I think is an astute one to make. I recently tried to watch Disney Plus's Obi-Wan Kenobi TV show. And Obi-Wan is a very interesting one to bring up when talking about what they're doing with Final Fantasy VII. Because Obi-Wan Kenobi is a TV show that should write itself. After Anakin is defeated and turns to the dark side and becomes Darth Vader, Obi-Wan is tasked with keeping a close eye on Luke Skywalker, who lives with his uncle Owen on Tatooine, while Leia grows up in the Organa family on Alderaan. If you want to make an Obi-Wan show, there are two ways you could do it. The first would be Obi-Wan and the Inquisitors, which they did include in the Obi-Wan show, where Obi-Wan is trying to hide the location of Luke Skywalker. So he's trying to hide where he put Luke by planting things on different planets, drawing people away from where Luke is. And in doing so, he's protecting Luke from afar. The other is... Obi-Wan as a cave dweller, taking on odd jobs as a little mercenary or whatever for the people of Tatooine, his issues that he had with the Tusken Raiders, which they explored in the now defunct, the now no longer canon series uh, about Kenobi. They could have him training Luke from afar. They could have him spending time with him as Ben Kenobi. He comes and visits the family and he tries to push Luke towards the Force. You don't need to have the greatest writer in the world to be able to take these concepts and go, that's a show. Instead, what we've got is canon-breaking rewrites and retcons by untalented people that work for Disney. Obi-Wan is now a weak, pathetic pussy of a man hiding from his Jedi responsibilities and turning his back on fellow Jedi who are being hunted by the Inquisitors. So that's what he's been doing for 10 years hiding and sniveling and staying away that's his plan since the birth of leia and luke in the series he is recruited by leia's father because she has been kidnapped by mercenaries working for the inquisitors he then has to hunt down leia rescue her and bring her back to her family and each episode is then basically planet hopping trying to get her back to her family while being hunted by Inquisitors and then hunted by Darth Vader himself. Here is why that story is canon-breaking. Let's start with Princess Leia. When she famously asked for help, help me Obi-Wan Kenobi, your only hope, she specifically says, I've heard the stories of you. 
you worked for my father in the war. Please, we need your help. Come and rescue us. Come and save us. She did not say, you saved me 10 years ago. We're good friends. I've known you for a while. Come and, have a, come and save me because I need help again. She didn't say that. She said, you worked for my father. Please come and help us again. So now, Obi-Wan and Leia, as adults, are dumb. So that's the answer. When they get older, they're stupid, and they've forgotten. They met each other and spent weeks and weeks together rescuing, adventuring. They forgot all that. The other one is Darth Vader. Again, in A New Hope, Darth says when he feels Obi-Wan's presence, this is a presence I haven't felt for a long time, right? I'm paraphrasing. I'm not doing the direct quotes here. When he meets Obi-Wan face-to-face before he kills Obi-Wan, and Obi-Wan has to sacrifice himself to help motivate Luke. When he kills Obi-Wan, he says to him during that battle, the last time we faced, I was a student, I was but a learner, and you were the master. Because obviously, Anakin was the Padawan of Obi-Wan. In this TV show, they have a fight. So, what, Darth Vader's also a fucking idiot, because he forgot that 10 years prior, as Darth Vader... Him and Obi-Wan had a fight and then he chased Obi-Wan across the galaxy. And actually, they came to face to face many times during this point. So this is what we're dealing with. We're dealing with people who don't understand the source material, disregard the source material, and are probably going to have the end of the show, him go to Leia, Jedi mind trick, you forget all this, to try and write it off because that's how useless they are. That That's uh, that's my prediction. He Jedi mind tricks her so she forgets him. Uh, that's like sitting again, it was all a dream. That's, it's the same fucking thing. It's a cop out, right? And the Darth Vader stuff is just fucking stupid. I mean, not only that, they actually show us Darth Vader out of the costume with no arms and legs and fucking bald head and all this stuff. The reveal of Darth Vader at the end where you actually see he's an old man under the costume is a powerful moment. They've just fucked off that. Don't worry about it. We'll just show you him anyway. We'll show you his mangled body. Let you see what he looks like. This does not need to exist. Obi-Wan does not need to exist. I had a long chat on the podcast not that long ago with Scott about Cowboy Bebop Netflix edition and how the people that were making Cowboy Bebop for Netflix were like, oh, well, we've updated it for modern times. Oh, modern sensibilities. Uh, this wouldn't really fly, so we're changing it. And there's a laziness factor there. If you have to faithfully recreate something that is beloved by many people, like Cowboy Bebop, you have to follow beats, you have to follow story beats, you have to follow moments, you have to get it right. If you go, right, we're going to start by kind of following it, and then what we're going to do is we're going to subvert expectations. And this is a big thing they keep saying. We're going to subvert expectations and give fans something new. They say this, this is the language they use. What that means in reality is we are too lazy and we are not talented enough to deliver something as good or close to or better than what you saw originally. So we are going to change it so we don't have to live up to that expectation. And that is what they did with Cowboy Bebop. They did it by having Vicious get cucked out and Julia be the bad guy in the end. And they made these changes so that in the next series, which thankfully got fucking cancelled, they could do whatever the fuck they want. And they don't have to follow any story beats from Cowboy Bebop because they're not talented enough to be able to deliver on that. Which brings us to Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. What we saw on that trailer was gobbledygook. We saw much of that in the remake with time ghosts and space ghosts and fucking fake ghosts and whatever else you want to call it. But mostly part one stayed faithful to the Midgar story until the end where they just went, ah, fuck it. We're going to subvert expectations and we're going to take fans by surprise. You, you, you just piss fans off. You didn't take anyone by surprise. And a lot of the fan base has been very mean and rude, right? So 
friends of the podcast, friends of mine, the Night Sky Prince and Soldier First Class, these two in particular, were hounded by people uh, for the last two years about their thoughts on the direction of Final Fantasy VII R. There were many people in denial. No, 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 they're not changing it. The stuff with Zack's on another timeline. Don't worry about it. Is They're going to stick to the story. It's all going to go the way as planned. The Rebirth trailer tells you that my friends, Soldier and Prince, not Prince, is, well, I mean, he could be a bit, he's a bit like Prince, honestly. My friends were 100% right. I was 100% right. Dookie, he's been on this podcast on the Konomi episode, so go check that out. He was 100% right. And that we were all right about what these cunts, and I'm going to use that word time, these fucking cretins, these useless pieces of shit in Creative Business Unit 1 were doing. We were right. They're changing it. And they're doing something else because they're not talented enough to live up to the shadow cast by Sakaguchi and the original Final Fantasy VII. In fact, any installment that did not have Sakaguchi's involvement has already attempted to undo some of what his brilliance put into that game. We saw it with Crisis Core with the introduction of Genesis because Nomura can't help but go home, finger his bum hole and jerk off to pictures of Gact because he, he can't help himself. So he needed Genesis. Oh, Loveless. Oh, my fucking shitty little poem. When we all know that Loveless is a My Bloody Valentine poster in the original fucking game and an homage to a great album and a great fucking band. But no, he wanted to have an... Fuck off. I don't care about My Bloody Valentine. I like Gact. I want Gact to come all load all over my face and I'm going to put him in my game. So that's what he did. So this is what Namora did. This is what the team behind crisis core did and if you remove that stuff from crisis core crisis core would actually be quite enjoyable but that stuff brings the game down we saw it again with dirge of cerberus just utter nonsense a, a, a fucking plethora of bollocks and retcons and bullshit we saw it with advent children again just stuff that just came out of the woodwork out of nowhere right oh there's these random clones knocking about sephiroth will is inside them like they're going to evolve and they're going to put Genova, and then sephiroth is reborn and he comes back they do this stuff because they're not talented enough to one retell the story in a meaningful manner two expand upon the story in a meaningful manner when they made remake part one if they had stuck to the original Midgar elements of the game but expanded upon Midgar, other sectors other stories within Midgar the life and times and struggles of the people there to help flesh out maybe the storyline if you follow it directly is only 10 hours long but with all the side quests and stuff you flesh it out to 30 hours because there's plenty of shit in midgar for you to see to do mini games stuff like that side quests stories all this stuff could be done very simply now some people would argue they did that but i'm sorry walking around rescuing cats is not a fucking Midgar story. The place is a slum and a shithole. The people are suffering. You don't see any of that. You just get people going, oh, well, it might be a shithole, but we're doing our best. Yay. That's what you get from it. That's not fucking good enough. The people working on that game were not good enough. Instead to flesh it out, you have to run around after Leslie getting cuckolded. You have to see time ghosts. You spend hours in fucking Hojo's lab fighting fucking Genovas and all sorts of dumb shit that you shouldn't actually fight. You get to the end, there's time ghosts. You fight Sephiroth at the edge of time. But what, is, what is this? How are you meant to go from fighting Sephiroth at the end of time and defeating fate itself to not being able to cross a swamp because there's a giant snake in it? You could absolutely destroy the cunt. But no, this is how they work. They need to subvert expectations. And then you get the end scene with Zack winning and not dying and being alive, which undoes the entire fabric of Cloud's character and his story development in the first game. There were people, like I said, 
who are in denial about this. There were people like myself, like I said, Night Sky Prince, Soldier First Class, Dookie. We all said, this is bollocks. People told us we were lies. Now we have Rebirth, a trailer which opens with Cloud and Aerith discussing the fact that she is meant to die at the hands of Sephiroth and they can change the future and change fate because they've destroyed the, the fate ghost nonsense dimensional bullshit Namora's fucking circle jerk because they defeated that they do anything now and it's all changed they also discuss the fact that Zack is alive and Cloud knows that Zack saved him right and and he's openly talking about it which means the whole calm flashback must be fucking weird as fuck now because Cloud wasn't actually there as a soldier. He was there as a grunt. But if he's being honest about Zack and being honest about that flashback, what does that fucking mean? Maybe in this version, he really did become a soldier first class. He really did live up to his dreams and he hasn't got any suffering and any problems with it because he did it and he's brilliant and, and, he, and he can always win because he's now a Mary Sue and him and Zack, they defeated Shinra, but he got injured and hurt. And then Zack took him to Midgar and he found Tifa. But Zack maybe got ambushed by Shimra. Maybe he's locked up in a tank somewhere and Cloud needs to go rescue him so they can defeat Sephiroth together. And Genesis is going to come back and all this shit. This is what they've done to the game. This is what they've done and they confirmed it in a teaser trailer. It's not like they tried to hide it. They've gone, no, we're doubling down on all the bullshit, all the wank that no one wanted. And yes, someone's going to go, what do you mean no one wanted it? Yeah, Kingdom Hearts fans love it. I don't trust those kiddie diddlers with anything they fucking say. They jerk off the 14-year-old boys. They fucking download porn of characters from Kingdom Hearts when they're 12 years old, getting things shoved up their ass. I'm not listening to those cunts. Plus, Kingdom Hearts is without a doubt the worst thing to happen to the Final Fantasy franchise. I'd rather play another All the Bravest than have Kingdom Hearts exist. And this is how Square Enix as a company now work. On one hand... You have a company that, and a franchise, Final Fantasy, that was based in rebellion, fight for survival, and the spirit of Sakaguchi. This is what thrived them, and that created excellence and quality. Now, you have the Japanese age-old attitude of tenure equals respect, and you've got guys like Katase, guys like Nomura, who have a lot of tenure, but do not have any skill to back it up. They're not skillful people, they're not craftsmen. But tenure equals respect. You also have a company that is so dead set on money. And, and I understand, look, capitalism, I understand. I, I am pro-capitalist. I'm not a commie. But artistic merit when making a game or making a movie or making music should come first and profits should come second. And the reason why is because actually you get better profits from putting out authentic, decent material than you do from putting out any old wank bullshit, commercialized nonsense. But... Nomura has made money via his connection to Disney. I don't think Kingdom Hearts would have been as big as it was without the Disney connection. I don't think that could have happened. I think Kingdom Hearts would have come out with all his own characters and no Disney, and it probably would have flopped after the first game and never come back again. What Nomura did was smart. Uh, his ideas are shit, but he's smart when it comes to swindling and comes to lying. And what he did was... Disney wanted to make an RPG with Square Enix because of the success of Final Fantasy. And Nomura went, I'll do it. But not only will I do it, I'm going to use our most valuable property, Final Fantasy, to help promote it. Which is why 
Kingdom Hearts has Final Fantasy crossover characters in it. But they're not crossover characters in the way that, like, you would imagine them. They're his versions, right? You've got his mopey version of Cloud. You've got his dopey fucking emo version of Squall. Like, he's given them his own personalities. He's not really made them who they are. He has rewritten them for himself. But because of the success of Kingdom Hearts, because a lot of children played the game, and they stuck with it. Kids are like that. They, they watch, like, I love Ninja Turtles. I've loved Ninja Turtles since the 80s. I still love Ninja Turtles now. I've just got the new Turtles game. I'm fucking loving it because I stick with it. But we've had a lot of bullshit come out of the Turtles franchise that we've had to put up with over the time. And Kingdom Hearts, I think, is the same for many people. Played it when they were younger. Played it when they were 10, 11, 12, 13, whatever. And they've stuck with it. It's taken them a long time to get the fucking games out as well. They're loyal. They stuck with it. It's made money, so Square have gone, right, he can be the head of Final Fantasy. He can make a Final Fantasy game. And so they gave him Final Fantasy XV. He fucked up so colossally on Final Fantasy XV that they removed him from the project. And they removed him from the project because everything he was doing was rubbish. It was taking too long. They had to put someone else in charge. And he has been bitter about that since 2015, 2014, when he was removed from the game. The game came out in 2016. So almost 10 years. He's had eight years of bitterness. When Kingdom Hearts 3 came out, you can see the bitterness because he used elements from his vision of 15 that we never saw in that game and i think that's what he's done with 7r as well there's elements in 7r maybe the fake ghosts or whatever that were intended in his original plans for versus 13 which ended up being final fantasy 15 there are elements in this game that, that uh, scream of his kingdom hearts franchise his kingdom hearts times so when i analyze what they've done with obi-wan what they did with cowboy bebop a lot of that was political politically motivated you know the star wars team at the moment are untalented people who cannot live up to the original trilogy or the prequel trilogy they're unable to live up to that save maybe mandalorian and some of the cartoons the cartoons are great the rest of them are untalented but they have a message right the force is female this is this is a message they all wore on their t-shirts kathleen kennedy has come out and said too macho star wars is too macho what a young boy having to go against his own father for the goodness of mankind backed by a cast of diverse characters including including uh, lando you know a black character that we all love and and enjoy and they have looked at that and gone no that's too toxic it needs to be more and it never did because it was great as it was but they've gone into that mace windu you know there's plenty of black characters that are brilliant but they've they've come out with obi-wan and said you're all racist for not liking one character carlos esposito in mandalorian is fucking excellent no one's complaining about him but the star wars crew have their message it's a message of race it's a message of queerness it's a message of gender it's a message of feminism. And so they want to tamper with what people loved about something originally to spread their shitty message rather than create shows and films that are good. They have a message that takes front and center. Now, this isn't the case with Rebirth and 7R. It's ego. You have, as I've already mentioned, people like Katase who had to follow what Sakaguchi was dictating. Yeah, he got some of his stuff in it, but he was getting turned down a lot. Sakaguchi would not have gone everything you said katasi is brilliant and i'm doing it we know this we know it from interviews we know it from things that katasi has said himself that sakaguchi not that he was hard to deal with had the final say he was a filter for the bullshit nomura designed characters he didn't come up with their backstories he didn't come up with who they are their personalities he designed based on other people's work these people now have a chance to take a world created by someone else and do what they want with it and it's all 
the stuff that they probably were told this is bollocks in the past. It's all the stuff that Namora was told, don't fucking do that with 15, we're giving it to someone else. It's all the convoluted shit we saw in 13. It's all the stuff Katasi was told no by Sakaguchi over and over and over again. You know that's what it is. Because it's ego. Because now they can erase what we've seen. They can erase what we've experienced and taint the conversation forever with themselves. And I'm sick of it. And I'm here today, essentially, to say I probably won't be covering this anymore. I am part of a team. Yes, this guy's sick is my baby. Yes, it's mostly me. Yes, I am the one who uploads stuff and I'm the one who records stuff and artwork and everything. Comes up with times, planning, everything. But I respect the people that come in and sit down and talk to me. Personally, I am not willing to, on my end, organise Final Fantasy VII bullshit anymore. Because they've killed my love for, after 25 years, they've ruined something that meant so much to me. And I'm not going to go on about how much it meant to me now. I've done multiple episodes about Final Fantasy VII in the past. More than any other topic has been covered on this podcast, Final Fantasy VII is number one. This podcast is named after Final Fantasy VII. The logo is a character from Final Fantasy VII. Final Fantasy VII helped shape me as a person. I'm going to put some links in this episode you're listening to that will take you to uh, me talking about the year 1997 from the radio show. Other episodes talking about Cloud, Zack, why I love Final Fantasy VII. Talking about the compilation. Uh, part 2 stuff, predictions and stuff that me and John did. I'm going to put all those links in the description of this so you can see if you want to hear why it means so much to me you, you and you never had a chance to listen to those, you can go back and check those out. And you can go back and see why it meant so much to me. Because it really did. It helped shape who I am and the way it is being disrespected I actually take personally because you learn lessons from things and throughout my life there's been a few things that really fucking hit me as a person I remember as a kid my cousin used to tell me stories about the sex pistols right now he wasn't that much older he's only about five years older than me but in London their antics were like a myth right in the 80s and 90s because it's been 10 years since they've done it at the time and i remember as a kid thinking it was cheeky and rebellious right something i picked up on as a kid uh most importantly john lydon right and then he'd appear on tv every now and then and i'd be like oh i fucking love him he he speaks his mind he says whatever he wants right so that was a big one another one was all the action films and stuff conan all the arnie films right the schwarzenegger films predator all these things terminator they were huge influences on me i used to have that stupid john connor fucking haircut from t2 but when seven came along it point blank changed who i was as a person i used to hide who i really was and cloud's journey of lying to everyone and then coming clean and being himself spoke to me and changed me on a fundamental level changed who i was knowing that these people are shitting on that is like shitting on my soul and it's good i mentioned star wars because that's another one and any of my old school friends will tell you how much i was obsessed with fucking star wars and obi-wan was a character i really liked because he was this guiding male force like a granddad who sacrifices himself so that a valuable lesson on what's really at stake here can be passed on to Luke. So he knows what he's dealing with. Grow up, lad. Fuck me. This is serious shit. And that always meant something to me. And that's being shat on right now. Then we have Fight Club. It's another one that really helped shape who I was. And there's a few other things along the way. And most recently, the Cyberpunk game. Really, really. Because I loved Cyberpunk as a kid. I loved anime. There was all this stuff. Cowboy Bebop was another one. 
that uh, really fucking helped me develop as a, as a young adult, as like a fucking 18, 19 year old. And there's a few other things along the way, lots of music, lots of stuff like that. And I look back at all this stuff and I'm like, why is it being milked and ruined and fucking shat upon? And yeah, maybe I need to grow up and I need to go, right, my attachment to uh, pop culture I need to not think about the glory days of the WWE and the Attitude Era and edgy content that I used to love. Times have changed. I must give in. Maybe I need to stop attaching myself to these stories and these elements that have shaped who I am. But then I thought, no, fuck you. I put a message out the other day. The world needs a fucking punch in the mouth. Like what we have fallen into, this mainstream corporate interest is a fucking disgrace and we are accepting mediocrity as brilliance i already mentioned the marvel stuff watching twitter explode with soy laced excitement and jism as the fucking talking head weird cunts dance around on their fucking streams screaming and jerking themselves off with a full fucking hard on over the absolute tripe that square enix put out is a fucking disgrace. It's disgusting. And you disgust me. And you know what I'm talking about. You are vultures picking on a corpse for your own fucking merit and your own fucking entertainment and for your own gain. I'm not willing to do that. The gloves have come off for me. The culture wars, whatever you want to fucking call it. It's not a war. No culture war. It's corporate dictated and we all fucking know that. You think it's a culture war. Well, you just don't want to see this and you don't want to see that or you can't change with the times. No, the times are being dictated by the same cunts who used to dictate back in the day and there are no rebels. There's no one to fucking stand. There's no avalanche. There's no fucking avalanche sitting there saying this is bollocks. This is bollocks. There's no one doing that. I don't mind doing that. I've, I've, I'm not big. I'm not giant. I'm not a fucking massive name. But I've got some following. I've got listeners, I've got people that listen to this. I'm willing to fucking do that now. I'm willing to fucking talk about that stuff now more than ever because I see it as as, as just, it's just fucking Adrigas to me. So I won't really be covering Rebirth in the way that you would expect. I said I respect my team. I know Jake would definitely want to talk about it. I know that I'd still love to have Night Sky Prince back on to talk about it. I'm, I'm thinking of doing one of these Twitter spaces to talk about it but it's not going to be from a point of a fan who is looking forward to what they're doing anymore it comes from someone who has been betrayed by not by something they loved because sakaguchi never betrayed me and his original vision never betrayed me it's been bastardized it's been diddled by the cunts at creative business unit one so if i do talk about it going forward it's going to be from the same angle this episode is about i actually have to change my feelings on something because the world around me or the company that own the properties are willing to wipe their ass on it and hand it back to us and tell us it's better and the hubris and ego of people to look at something that is loved and great whether it be cowboy bebop whether it be star wars whether it be final fantasy to look at something look at something and go it could be better and then misunderstand what it was and and think that they are capable of making this better if i ever met Tetsu in the morning. I think I'd headbutt him. Just crack him right on the fucking nose. It's the time for talking's over. I'll just headbutt him. Tetsu in the morning needs a fucking headbutt. And there's a few other people that need headbutt as well. He's probably never been headbutted in his life. Too busy fucking sticking things up his ass listening to Utada songs. So I'm done with fandom. I'm done with access. I'm done with trying to get fucking codes to get games early. I'm done with trying to fucking work within that fucking system. Fuck that system. That system can suck my fucking cock. And I never thought I'd sit here and say this about fucking Final Fantasy VII. Never in a million years thought this would be my attitude to it. So, 
I am imagining there might be some people listening to this guy. I'm never listening to fucking this guy's sick anymore. He he is disrespecting seven because I've seen people say that. I've seen people going, "You're haters, you're haters." Do you know what kind of fucking moronic child calls criticism hate? An absolute bellend, a soft cocked bellend, not worth a sack of shit. That opinion. I've seen people sit there and go, "No, you just don't like change." No, I love change, especially the change I get from your mum after I smashed her back doors in. I love things growing. I love to watch things expand upon. I love to watch penises get hard. I love all that. What I don't like is bastardization, sodomization of something that we love. And that's my fucking problem with this stuff. And I've had a problem with this for many years. I'm fucking sick of it. Dull and boring shit from the West. And now Japan, Square Enix, the money-hungry fucking useless cunts that sold Lara Croft like a cheap whore. For barely fucking anything. Oh, it was 300 million. They had a game in the works. The last fucking Lara Croft game earned them 100 million on its own. One game. That's profit. All they had to do is make three and they got their 300 fucking million. In fact, they had two and they had another one in the works. So they would have got that anyway. Deus Ex. Legacy of Kane. They, they gave all this shit away. Because they want NFTs and Bitcoin and all this fucking blockchain nonsense. They're greedy. They're useless. And we're only going to see more of this. We're not going to see anything different from them. But there is one hope. And as I mentioned, I put it in its own little bubble, Final Fantasy XIV. If you do not like MMOs, just give it a fucking go. And here's why. Because that game has been made with respect for what the franchise really is. It's been made as an homage and a love affair with Final Fantasy. Yoshi P deeply loves every Final Fantasy game, especially Sakaguchi's work. Which is why Sakaguchi has been advising, been helping, been joining part of the team as an outside consultant, as a friend, as a mentor. So play that. There is a reason Yoshi P has been given Final Fantasy 16. It's not based on tenure like Katase and Nomura. They've been around for so long. Best give them something. They've earned the respect by being here that long. It's earned by proving himself. It's earned by single-handedly keeping the company afloat. The profits from Final Fantasy XIV have been so big that Square Enix are able to make dumb decisions like selling fucking brilliant franchises like Legacy of Kain and Tomb Raider and Deus Ex off and being lowballed for it and just accepting it anyway. And it's him, it's Yoshi P. He has earned every single bit of what he has been given. He has not taken, he has not shit on a legacy, he has not used his ego, he's humble, he's fucking worked hard. He's earned every bit of my respect and he's earned every bit of respect at that company. He's the only hope there. He's the only hope for Final Fantasy in that company. Now, the people that work on Nier, the people that work on Dragon Quest, the people that work on the Switch titles like Octopath and Triangle Strategy, they're all doing good jobs as well. Nier is going to be exploding and exploding over the next few years. You know it's going to get bigger and bigger because, again, there's a creative direction and there's some nuance and some storytelling and love for what they do there. There's not, I don't see love from Creative Business Unit 1. I see sourness. I see ego. I think that's all I've got time for, really, today. Um, there's not much more I can say. I repeated myself a little bit as well, which, you know, that, that shows you I've run out of stuff to say. Uh, thanks for listening, though. There's probably going to be a bit of backlash to this, and uh, I'm all right with that. To be honest, I don't really care. Uh, people don't like me because of what I've had to say about this. I'm sure there are people that do like me for what I've had to say about it, and uh, they can keep listening to me. And those who get upset, it's your choice. You don't have to listen to me. You chose to listen today. Uh, and you choose how you move on with that in the future but i will say this columbine episode dropped yesterday so please check that out i think it's a great episode uh myself scott and tian although tian disappeared for the last 20 minutes because he had problems with his mum he had mumsy problems so he had to run off 
And that's it. Yeah, it's roasting here today. So sorry if the uh, fan sound in the background was getting picked up on the mic. I don't know. I can't tell from here. Can't tell why I'm recording. So yeah, as if there's a bit of fan in the background, it's because buses are blowing up. You can check that out in London. A bus blew up because it's so fucking hot. Like it's actually so hot that it's stinging my eyes, you know, because I'm sweating. It's horrible. It's horrible. I'm not a fan, but I have got one on to cool me down. So that's that's all well and good. Um, and take care. Yeah, listen, I, you know, I might be a bit angry and a bit pissed off with it. You're just going to have to put up with that. And have a good weekend because it is the weekend. I hope you have a good time. Hopefully the weather's good for you to be able to enjoy yourself in rather than being horrible and sticky like it is now. But who knows? Anyway, take care, guys. Thanks for listening. And as always, I'll see you next time. <laughs> Oh, my God.